Hello, I am Crystal Grafton Combs, and you're listening to Coffee Talk with Crystal. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you have joined us before, welcome back. This podcast is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Sometimes I will answer questions from our sisters, and others I will invite friends to do the same. So thank you for listening, and now let's get to my next conversation. Hello, Greta Blattner. How are you? I am good. How are you? <laughs> I'm in crazy town today. <laughs> so, so I will share with people a little bit about what life is like just through scheduling with you. Um, between my world and yours, yours has been wild. Mine, only this last couple of weeks, as we have started a slow roll to opening the dental office. This was take three in coordination of schedules. And that's kind of my life right now. How is yours? <laughs> Mine has been crazy since mid-January, so... Um... I don't envy you, but uh, it is the world that we live in now. And But friend, yeah. I think I could say the same thing because I think my life is, is a whole lot calmer than most people's, particularly yours and the people that are out in the world and doing all the things for COVID. And we will get to that because that is part of what sparked this conversation. I love that our sisters are doing real world things in the middle of a crisis that make a difference. And you are one of those women. So I am super excited to have this conversation. But first, I love to start with your AOPI story. We all have them. And I would love for people to know that background of who you are, how you came to be an AOPI and to be here today. And then we will go into what today looks like. Okay. Well, I, um, I'm an Upsilon Alpha. I was initiated in 1990 um, at the University of Arizona um, as a sophomore. I um, loved being an AOPI. I had so wait, 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 so much take a step back. School. As a sophomore. Um, and when I graduated, I moved to Washington, D.C. Um, and originally joined the Northern Virginia Alumni Chapter and um, helped opened the Washington DC alumni chapter, which kept opening and closing and opening and closing. Um, and then, um, a group of women started the suburban Maryland alumni chapter, fondly known as SMAC. SMAC, um, yes. and I've been a, a member of SMAC since it opened and, uh, have been held numerous offices there. Um, also worked with the collegiate chapter at Pi Delta, and um, also Beta Eta at um, Gettysburg College, and um, just really enjoyed being an AOPI and being an alum, and um, met some of my very best friends as actually alum in the in the suburban Maryland alumni chapter. So um, it's been a big part of my life, and um, I I, the, I would say there are women all across this country who I've met through different volunteer roles who have changed me and made me better and stronger and um, have completely supported me through this crazy roller coaster of a year that we've had. So I'm um, thankful for all of them. Um, so. 
Well, so I want to go back. So I want to bookend what you just said. Because the first thing <laughs> that you just said was that you pledged as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. So, and that you loved it. So tell me, you did not then pledge as a first year college nope. student. So talk to me a little bit about why you didn't and then why you did. So I, um, I went to the University of Arizona. Um, it was sort of a last minute decision. Um, and I did not go through recruitment um, as a freshman. It was rushed back then, but um, yes. I, I did not go through as a freshman. Um, and then um, AOPI actually colonized my freshman year. Um, and some of my friends became AOPIs. Um, my roommate was an Alpha Chi Omega. Um, and um, other roommates were Pi Phi's. And I just, I had a lot of friends in the Greek system. And um, I just, after the first year and, and sort of knowing all of these people in the Greek system, I decided that I would at least go through recruitment. Um, Arizona being a large school there, recruitment was a big deal. <laughs> it was like seven days of parties um, and you know going from house to house and everyone thinks Arizona is the desert. Um, but in August we have monsoon season, which is when we went through um, rush is August. And so you would start out in you know these really cute little dresses and things and sometime in the middle of the day you'd have thunderstorms and everybody would get rained on um but um it was quite an experience and so may i ask what made you because you had roommates and friends that were in other greek organizations and and i have friends that are are those same organizations now and think so wonderfully of them but what prompted you to choose aopi may i ask you know, it just fit. Um, I, I was a science major, um, and on the Arizona campus, there were a lot of women who were also science majors who were AOPIs, um, and it, it just was, it, you, you walked in and it felt like home. Um, when I, I look back on the pictures now, there, it was, I mean, it was the late 80s, early 90s, um, back then we had a full semester of um, pledge or new member period. Same. Um, and so it was like 1989. Um, and there's, you know, the 80s big flowers and, and crazy decorations that now we look back on and think we're, what were we thinking? But, um, but you walked in that house and you felt like home. And, and that was what I was looking for. I was lost, a little bit lost on a big campus. And, and you know, that, that, those became my best friends. So the other thing that you said that I loved, because I also rushed during rush and pledged and all the things, and it, it was fascinating because I do still keep up with many members, both in my new member class, as we call it now, the ones above me and below me, particularly my little sister who lives in Kansas City area now. She and I still stay in touch after all these years. But, but truly, so many of my friends, while I keep in touch with those women, particularly via social, because it's just easy, right? But, but all, oh, hello, friend. I see a furry friend. That's amazing. But, but so many of my friends now came from my alumni experience. They are the women I travel with 
and that I or that I meet in places. Well, like you even, you know, you in my mind, you are my Toledo sister. Now, you do not live in Toledo. We but we travel <laughs> once a year in non-COVID times to a big event. We we shop for jewelry together. We have breakfast together. So in my mind, you're part of that group, and I I look forward to that. Like it is a, and it would not be the same if you weren't there. You know, and yes. then there are women that that I see at various places, and I find it fascinating because I am not the exception to that. I find that many of our sisters have that same experience, like you shared. I through volunteering, I met just amazing women. Um, I there's sort of there's four of us um, that sort of call ourselves the four amigos that are all members of Suburban Maryland Alumni Chapter. Um, and, and we, we just take care of each other. One day we're going to buy condos next to each other and be the golden girls, I think. Um, (laughs) but then I also have, I mean, I have a a group of us, um, one from Vancouver, one from outside of Nashville, um, myself and a couple others from the DC Baltimore area went to Africa last year. Um, and just, right. Um, my Margie Stevens from Vancouver and I had been talking about it for years. She had gone a couple times and I used to do a lot of work there and we just decided we were going to do it and people decided to come with us and, you know, we had a, an AOPI safari, um, which was amazing. And actually she just sent me a message saying, do you want to go again in 2023? We could go here, 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 and here. And I'm like, yeah, let's yes, do it. I do. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know, it's interesting that you mentioned her particularly because she is a sister that gave me, when we talk about these love balls and the love stickers yes. and, and the pins, and I still have that pin and it's designed mm-hmm. to pass on and I will bring it back to next convention. Oddly enough, um, where it sits so that I don't ever forget it is next to the gavel and the ritual in my safe of all things <laughs> that's locked. And I have that that pin that is pink and it has love across it so that I will remember to bring it to next convention. And, and it's fascinating the way those friendships come about and then you find yourself I have yet to visit another continent with sisters but I feel like it should be on my to-do list I highly recommend it (laughs) so you did mention well two things that are of import to this conversation number one you were a science major and number two that your sisters have helped you get through these times so let's talk about what these times are for you and what you do because while all of us are making an effort to be a part of and what i mean by that is make good decisions that are in the best interest of our communities and our families and our friends and and the strangers even that we pass on the street that we do not know very few of us are quite so engaged the way that you are what you can and I understand that what you do doesn't always allow all the conversation but do share what it is that you do in the midst of this so um, I work for a a group within the Department of Health and Human Services at the government um, that's called the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority or BARDA Um, and we are a part of the government that was founded about 13 years ago Um, in response to the anthrax attacks that happened in um, 2001 
Um, and we were formed to make public-private partnerships between the government and companies to um, fund the development of vaccines, therapeutics, and vaccine, or excuse me, and diagnostics um, that, that don't really have a marketplace. And so we do research into things like anthrax, um, chemical threats, nuclear threats, um, bio other biologic threats. Um, and then we, we also work in pandemic influenza and emerging infectious diseases. And as you know, the novel coronavirus is sort of All newest of the above. emerging infectious disease. <laughs> right. um, so we are a, a group of, of experts um, in, in every kind of, of thing you would find in a pharmaceutical company. So we have people who are regulatory experts. We have people who are manufacturing experts. We have people who are experts in, in influenza and radiation exposure. We have people who are experts at contracting because what we do is we, we contract with companies to partner with them. Um, we have people who are experts in clinical operations, which is actually how I went to work there. Um, and we, we, you know, look at our, our portfolio of things and we say, you know, we don't have any vaccines for this. And we, we find companies and companies find us and we, we work very, very closely with them, our experts and, and the company to really bring about um, products that, that can be used in the case of an emergency or also in the case of an accident. Um, we've used some of our products for um, chemical exposure, for example, um, if there's a, a train accident and there's a chlorine leak from the train, um, we would some of the products that we developed would be used in that situation. They'd also might be used in, in a situation of a chemical attack. Um, but for this, um, we, we started very early looking at the partners that we already had um, and looking how those partners might be able to um, pivot some of the work that they're doing to start creating a vaccine, to start creating therapeutics, and to start creating diagnostics um, to, to really make a difference um, in this event. Um, so to date, we've worked with um, 19 different diagnostic companies and we have eight of those that have received um, FDA emergency use authorization that are currently being used out in the communities. Um, so we started with diagnostics that were run on um, large lab machines, just because you have them all over the country already. And if you develop a new test for those, those machines are already there, the technicians are already trained on them, um, and the FDA has a comfort level with them and, and can easily or more quickly sometimes approve um, emergency tests for those types of machines. Um, they also have high throughput, so you can do a lot more tests quickly um, and hopefully you know, get more tests out quickly. Um, as the, as the um, pandemic has gone on, we've sort of moved towards point of care tests, trying to get them closer to the patient, um, and then also moved into antibody testing and antigen testing. Um, so looking from not just looking for the virus, but also looking for have you been exposed to the virus. Um, in terms of vaccines, we have a number of vaccine companies that we're working with and 
really pushing them to do things faster so that we can have a vaccine as soon as possible. Um, and then for therapeutics, we started working with companies who um, will develop therapeutics against directly against the virus, some monoclonal antibody technologies, and then also um, working with companies that um, had things in development for, for things that were similar that we might be able to pivot and might also have activity against either the virus or the host response to the virus. We've looked at some um, things to try to break um, the inflammation that, that's happening in the lungs to hopefully keep people from getting as sick and hopefully help them recover faster. So, so this is fascinating to me because since I work in a dental office and because we now know that in our area of the world, New Orleans adjacent, because I'm right into that city, and of course, we now know that, that cases were there in November, December, at least we think we know, that's, that's a big, to say we know anything, I think it's probably an overstatement at this point, but, but because I mean, we are literally 40 plus miles from the city and are there several times a week, given any time. Um, we, we, there is some conversation. And of course, it's interesting down here because it seems that people either go one direction or the other. Either they think, of course they had it, and they had a sniffle once, so they've had it, or, or never could they have, and, and, and yet no one knows. And because of what we do, we have actually been given a prescription to be able to get an antibody test. And we are going to um, a, a neighboring city that is larger than ours here so that we can have that this week, actually. And I'm, I'm very curious because I'm, I'm not sure where I stand on that because, of course, for us, this came at the same time as the, the traditional flu season. And, and everyone thought we were having sort of an early spike of that. But we didn't know. And then I have children in school, of course, and we were going back and forth for festivals and Mardi Gras and all the things. So, so who knows? I am fascinated and I, I actually have literally you to thank for the fact that I will be able to drive 20 miles down the road on Friday and, and have this, this antibody test to, to know. And, and certainly it won't, it won't change, I think, anything that we do from a health safety protective standpoint because we still need could be carriers or need to protect all the other people but i think for that peace of mind it's it's a dramatic thing and it's fascinating to me because so often those things seem so far removed like there's a, a big lab somewhere way far away with people i could never possibly know that are making all of these things happen and then i'm talking to a sister and she's like you're welcome that's great <laughs> I think it's pretty fascinating that this is what you do, and yet it's hard to wrap my head around it. Um, tell me, and, and this may be something you, I, I'm not trying to get too far into the weeds of what you do, but, but that's a lot. I mean, when you're talking about even non-pandemic times, you're talking about assessing potential risk, developing potential vaccines, developing testing, or therapeutics that may or may not ever be in use outside of even COVID times. What does a day in your, you know, I come to the office, I'm managing patients, I'm managing insurance, I'm managing accounts payable and payroll. It, you know, I'm, I'm at a desk kind of thing. Um, what does a day in your life 
look like? I mean, do you get up and go into an office? Do you go to a lab? What What does this look like, Greta? <laughs> so we um we we all work in offices, um, and that's one of the things that that's been really hard about the pandemic. I think too um, is everyone working with me is really working twenty four seven, and I come home and see the the TV shows with you know nurses and doctors who are really on the front lines mm-hmm. and and it just it breaks my heart it really really does and then the next day i get up and i i go into the office and and we we do it all again um but it really is i'm i'm in an office i i when i started at barda i was in the clinical operations group and i um worked with partners on their clinical trials and how to design their clinical trials and how to implement their clinical trials. Um, and after about a year of that, I moved into the office of the director um, and I, I support our director. Um, and really my day is, you really can't just, it's, it's one of those things, my job description could just say um, other, other duties as assigned. <laughs> Um, because it's really a, it's really a matter of sort of jumping around um, and and what the director needs. Um, I, I help him prepare for congressional testimony. I prepare all his presentations for um, talks that he's going to give. I work with him hand in hand on strategy of of where we might you know need um, um, things in our portfolio. Um, we just, we really sort of, whatever comes our way is, is sort of what we do. Um, and, and a lot of it is really just preparing him for his day, making sure he knows who he's talking to, who he's meeting with, what the project teams have as issues, um, what they need from, you know, whoever he's meeting with. And so it's really a matter of, of really project management, um, of, of issues really across the spectrum. Um, so, so, but it is, it's an office. When, <laughs> so before, and, and I do want to say this, you're not wrong. I, I saw a meme of some sort pop up on social a day or two ago and it said, after all of this, I hope the nurses and doctors in the world make the same amount of money as a professional athlete. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. And, and while, I recognize that in the real world that may never happen. I can only imagine the thousands upon thousands of lives that have been saved because these men and women do not, they're not showing up because of a paycheck. They're showing up because of a commitment they made with their life. And so shout out to I I think about what we do and we're giving them the tools to do their job. but without them, I mean, we would be nothing. And that's, they're so valuable and so important. And um, it's just the, the sacrifices they're making. Um, you know, there, there are days that now I don't even go in the office. I stay home and work from here. And, um, and then there are other days that I, I miss my big screens and I live a mile from the office and no one is in there. And so I go in, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's really, you know, the, the things that really everyone is doing, not just, not just the doctors and nurses, but the, the people, you know, driving trucks and um, filling the shelves in the grocery store and yes. um, the janitors cleaning up in the hospitals. I mean, it's just, it's, 
it's really it takes a village and and we are all all a part of that well and i have to tell you we have had the same mail carrier for many many years well nearly since we moved here and today she delivered a set of of masks to us that had been on back order for many 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 weeks and and I looked at her and and when I met her of course I had on all of my stuff because it was she called into the office and said can you meet me at the box it won't fit and of course I did and and I just looked at her and I said I I just need to tell you thank you because I think a lot of people are are overlooked in the midst of this and they are what makes our world run. So if my mail carrier ever listens, I love you. You are amazing. You're the reason we can be open. <laughs> right. But but I so so let me ask you something. Before and, and I do think I've said this before, I do think in our life there will be a before and after. Um, that's true of many things. We talk about in our area of the world hurricanes. And and when we say before the hurricane, it's not it's not which hurricane, it's Katrina. You know, or or my friends on the West Coast, it's after a fire, a series of fires. And, and you don't have to ask what year, they know. I do very much think we are in that space. There will be a before and after. Before this, when you got up, you know, what time would you sort of come and go into the office? Was it like an eight to five kind of thing? How, how did that look compared to what you do now? Because I know that's not the same. Yeah, I typically would go in, um, I'd try to get in around 8.30. Um, my boss would get in around 9.30, so I had sort of an hour to get everything prepared and get sort of into the game. And um, and typically I'd leave between 6 and 7.30 at night. Um, and that was sort of our, our rhythm. Um, he would have meetings until about 5, and then the two of us would sit from five till where we were done and, you know, brainstorm for the next day and plan um, events going out and, and trips and all sorts of things. Um, and pretty much starting in the middle of January, um, those days started earlier. Um, typically now my day starts before seven. Um, and I mean, last night I was on the phone until about 1130. Um, and it's not unheard of for the phone to ring in the middle of the night or um, texts to come in or something to happen. Um, most weekends, there's at least at least four to five hours of work every day that, that I do. A lot of the staff around me are, are working a lot more than that. Um, but um, yeah, there really isn't, our phones don't turn off, the volume doesn't turn off, the, the I used to have a nighttime thing on my phone that at night it would go off at 10 o'clock and it wouldn't come on again until six. I don't do that anymore. Um, it, it's on all the time. Um, Are you exhausted? So it's, it's different. <laughs> I, I think I would be exhausted. I mean, it's almost as if even when you can rest, you can't rest. No, you, I, I fall asleep. I have no trouble falling asleep. I don't stay asleep. Um, even if the phone doesn't ring, I, I typically wake up a couple of times at night and and I, I now keep a pad of paper next to my bed because I your head starts running through all the things that you need to do. And, and if I write them down, I find I go to sleep again much faster. Um, and so I, I've 
you know, gone to doing that. Um, my dogs typically, um, if I get up in the middle of the night and come out in the living room and do some work for a little while and go back to sleep in the beginning, they would come and follow me. And now they just, they sleep. (laughs) They're like, she's coming back. (laughs) So it's, um, it's been a big change, but it's also, you know, I, I just feel like we're, we're making a difference. And, you know, if, if we can get a vaccine as fast as possible, it'll make a difference. And, um, you know, my, my boss says, you know, every second saves a life and, and that's, and every decision we make has the potential to save lives. And and that's just something that's really important. So I couldn't agree more. Tell me Uh, when you have an opportunity to potentially take time. I mean, this is a lot, Greta. This is, this is more than should be asked of someone much less all of the someones. Um, tell me how you are managing. So I um, I live on a houseboat. Um, okay, which way? Next door By neighbor, the way, I think it's the greatest works. thing in the whole world. Um, mine runs, but I don't. It scares me to drive it. Um, so I frequently hop on uh, with my next door neighbor. Uh, we both are are very very conscious about how we are socially distancing, and so. Uh, He's, he's kind of like, it's almost like a two-bedroom apartment. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I go out on boats with him. Um, I also, I spend time out, sort of walking my dogs and um, just relaxing as much as possible. Um, for a while, there's a, a place near me that had these really nice swings and I would go and just, just swing. Um, but they've closed that because it's, considered an area that people gather in and so they don't let us do that anymore mm. um but um yeah I just it's really it's it's interesting because I think the one thing that I am a little jealous about a lot of my friends are are reading great books and um watching crazy shows on Netflix and and I try and I fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> um but um you know, I'll have eventually have time. Um, my fingers are crossed for a really nice vacation in November that I've been planning for a while to Fiji. Oh. Uh, so that'll be a great time to read and relax and hopefully get some scuba diving in. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because it, it has been oddly busy in quarantine. And I, I find that I have started things that I cannot finish because there is no time, literally. And and people know I'm not a late night creature anyway because I get up so early, but I can usually make it past 8.05. And, and, and literally last night I looked at my children and my husband, I was like, I have to go to bed. I love you. Good night. Like I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even read a page. And I had recommended a book to my mother-in-law. We started together and she tells me today that, that I have to get to it. She's nearly finished and, and she's been reading with bated breath. And I'm like, I'm on, I'm on chapter four. So, I mean, you know, I'm 10% in. And, and so I, I do find that it's, it's oddly tiring. It's oddly busy. And, and particularly for you. And for people that do what you do for us, because, and I, and I haven't heard it phrased that way, but you're right. Every second could potentially save a life. And that's, that's mind blowing, quite honestly. Yeah. 
tell me the other thing is i i have a very close-knit group on facebook that keeps me going um one one they're they're all ampies um and one of them every day posts a joke for me um (laughs) just just something funny um lots of others of them check on me all the time um and it's just a really great group of women that really care about each other and um just do do those little things that that show you there's a little bit of normalcy to your life um which is i think really important um for you know for getting through this you know whether you're working crazy hours or whether you're you know home and not working and just having that little bit of normal um is is i think really important so that was actually going to be my last question is is <laughs> what would you recommend that that like what is working for you that that if someone hasn't tried what they could do to help help create normal amid what isn't and i love that i love that it has your aopi sisters in it also and and to be very honest one of my favorite things about you is that you live on a houseboat like I, I just you're my only friend and sister that I know who does this. And I just think that's the world's greatest, like, fun fact about anyone. Well, so when convention was here in Washington, D.C., um, a number of people stayed with me. A couple, uh, uh, Celia Reed and um, Natasha stayed here before convention. And then um, after convention, Christy Manchel and... Um, um, Margie Stevens stayed here and Christy and Margie left a Canadian flag sticker that's like bedazzled that has got all these little crystals in it <laughs> basically on the lip underneath sort of my front porch no <laughs> and it is still there and I have made an office out there that I work from probably two to three days a week and every time I see it it just makes me smile I'm like it's like my AOPI sisters all around the country um, looking out for me. So um, that's amazing. Yes. And I actually I took a picture a couple of weeks ago and sent it to Christy and I'm like, your flag is still there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's outstanding. That is sisterhood across borders. I love this. It really is. And and for so many, I mean, the DC convention was almost what, three years ago. Oh my gosh. So, it seems like yesterday. Um, it's uh, it's quite. It's been there for a while. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I love everything about it. Yes, Greta, I would be remiss if I did not say thank you for joining me today. Yes, but for the work that you do, it is truly unbelievable, and I cannot wait until the day that we see one another and celebrate your trip to Fiji and all the things. And, and also that we have that we have all the testing we need and that we have all the therapeutics that are necessary and, and above and beyond that we have a vaccine. And it will be in such large part because of what you and your teams do. Thank you. You are very welcome. And I, I hope we get to see each other in uh, Toledo again and pick out more fun jewelry. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's on my calendar already. And I have saved the date. Thank you. And for all of you listening, as always, 
Thank you, and until next time, stay safe and be well.